I feel like we've had a full service already. Misty preached. I did some Holy Ghost thing. Pastor Mike came up. We preached in Kenya. I mean, we did tons of preaching today. I feel like I should just say, go home. But, no. I, I resist the urge. Because I just want to share some very important things today before uh, we head out. We'll be gone three weeks. Amen. And um, I've got some new friends that we met today. We've got Louie and Jill that are sitting right here in the second row. Louis also flying to Africa tomorrow. He'll be going to Ghana. And uh, so we'll be flying over the airwaves at the same time to the nation of Africa. And we're going to be doing some mighty works over there. So it's just good to have you guys here. They said, we wanted to come meet you and check this place out. And hopefully they'll visit us again. And uh, it's just good to have you here today. So um, this year, we've declared to be a year of wisdom. Look at the person next to you say, this has been declared by the Lord through my pastor's mouth that this will be a year of the wisdom of God. What we've built over the last 15 years has now become a foundation. People ask me, are you excited to go to South Africa? And I say, eh, not as excited as I was 20 years ago. 20 years ago, I wanted to go to the nations. I wanted to travel. I wanted to be God's man in the nations. Crickets. Nothing. And the reason there was no traveling and nothing is because I didn't have anything to travel with. I just had a lot of energy and excitement. Now, we have something to take to the nations to deposit. Are you with me? And we're strong enough financially to be able to do it at the same time. And um, so people ask me, are you excited to go? When I didn't want to travel, when I wanted to travel, I didn't. And now that I don't want to travel, the Lord is requiring it. My bed, I have a nice bed. It's comfortable. It's soft. I enjoy it, sleeping in my bed. Anybody enjoy sleeping in their bed? I got an epic truck, baby. I got the Batmobile. I love my truck, my t Rook. All right? I got my family. We just moved into our new home. The Lord said to me, I'm going to restore your family. You're going to start a business. You're going to expand the business. You're going to build a home. We just moved into our house. And he said, you'll have an international ministry. International ministry happened. Everything the Lord said, we're living in the fulfillment of prophetic promise. What God said with his mouth, he's fulfilled with his hand. 2023 was a year for me that was a crowning year because everything God promised me, he gave me. And, you know, when I think about giving up my comforts to go to, to Africa right now, eight hours out of the day, there's no electricity. I don't, I don't have the convenience of my data plan. Oh, me. Yeah, you would cry. With, the internet goes out in the house. There's war zone that happens in your home. But I realized that if it's your will, you're good to do it. When it's God's will, it's a sacrifice. And your sacrifice is considered worship. And if you've got nothing to put on the altar of yourself, 
It's, there's no fire to meet you. So anytime God requires something from you, it'll always come at your expense. I will not give God that which costs me nothing. You see, if it doesn't mean anything to you, it doesn't hold any weight with God. But when you give of your life that you do not want to give, that is a surrender and that is a sacrifice because you love God. And it works exactly the same way with your family. When you love your family, you lay down your life, you sacrifice your wants, your desires, your needs to serve them and bless them. And that's how it works in the house of God. And anything that you do that's a sacrifice, that costs you something, God rewards. I was talking to some guys yesterday. We just had a breakfast and just chatting. And I lost what I was going to say. We're just talking about the things of God. We're talking about sacrifice and... I'm not getting it. Okay, moving right along. It'll come back. Man, it was so good too. I saw it and I heard it and then it left me. All right, moving right along. It'll come back. Bring it back to me, Lord Jesus. And so um, living in 2023, seeing everything that God has done, it's like the foundation has been laid and God has now saying it's time to clear the altar. If you anybody had a barbecue, a charcoal barbecue, not a gas one. You you've got you've got the wood, you've got the charcoal, you've got all these burnt ashes that are left over from from your amazing grilling experience. You have there, you know you might be able to grill one time or two times, three times, and your little charcoal thing gets full. There has to be a time where you dump that to be ready for. Another, another fire. Amen. And so the way that it works with God over the last 15 years, we've all made sacrifices to get us to this point of completing the foundation. But God gave us a word through Elsebe, my spiritual mom, where it's time to clean the ashes from all the past sacrifices. And it's time to lay down our lives again and begin to sacrifice for the new season where we're going. Are you with me? And so you got to decide in your own heart what it is you're giving to the Lord. When you surrender your life to Him, you're surrendering everything, your time, your talents, your treasure, your temple, your tongue. I was telling our uh, membership class this morning, the symbol for Christianity is a cross. It is an instrument of death. And it's to remind you to pick up your cross daily and live a crucified life. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the new life that I live, I don't live in the flesh. But I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And it is your life that is given as a living sacrifice. Look at somebody and say living sacrifice. God doesn't need a dead sacrifice. He needs something that's alive that can do things for Him. But it is a submitted, surrendered, on the altar, not living in the flesh, but walking in love and living by faith to accomplish all the things God's prepared for us to do. Are you with me? And so it's a new season of trusting and believing. And I think this is what I was going to tell you. Thank you, Lord. It came back. So in the past season of your sacrifices, God has brought increase, 
right, in your life. As you're sacrificing and putting on the altar and you're giving God money you could have gone on vacation with, or you're giving God time where you could have been playing video games with. I think that's a good trade. You're giving God of your life. You come to church on Sundays. You join the prayer things. You're serving. You're, the Bible says if you even give a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, there's a reward for it. But there comes a point in your giving and in your sacrificing where you feel like what you've given outweighs what you've received. If you haven't reached that point, then you haven't given enough. But there will come a point where you've given of your life to the degree that you say, I've given all of this to God. What have I got in return? And when you reach that moment, you have a complete offering. You don't understand what I'm saying. I said, when you reach that point on the inside of you, I've given all I can give. I've got nothing more to give God. If you look at what you've sacrificed and be bitter about it, there's no reward. But if you look at your sacrifice and say, God, I gave this to you because I love you. I gave this to my family because I love them. I gave this to the church because I love them. I gave to Kenya because I love God. And you say, God, my life and everything I have and everything I own comes from you. And this is a complete offering of worship that I bring before you, God. And that's when God answers by fire. And when you break into that new season, you step into a new sustained season of increase. You'll never go back to that previous season because you're sustained by the hand of God. And that's what we've stepped into. This season that we're stepping into, we're clearing the sacrifices, all that. But we're clicking into a new season of increase that's going to be on a level you've never experienced before. And I'm telling you, kingdom businesses, if you're a business owner and you will hook up with God to become a kingdom business and you say, I'm going to fund what the mission and the vision that God has, God will break your business open financially and take you to realms that you've never imagined. Telling you the truth. As long as it's just for you and your family, why should God add anything to you? You're already full. It's to be used for your selfish desires. But Deuteronomy 8.18 says that the purpose, the reason God anoints you to produce wealth is to fulfill His covenant. That's the reason for the money. The reason for the anointing is to preach the gospel. The reason for the money is to fund the gospel. And just like Pastor Mike said, I might not be able to go preach it, but I can fund it. And the, the funder and the preacher work together to bring in the harvest. What Pastor Mike did not mention, yes, your giving does bring increase, but the proper stewardship of your money also gets you into the place where you're financially free. And it works hand in hand. Can you say amen? And so that's where we're heading. And it takes sacrifice. And if we all lay down our lives together, we're going to see God not just accomplish the vision, but God's going to bring divine increase to you and your household on every side. I was telling somebody this week, it's like an explosion. Anybody ever seen an atomic bomb explosion? When the explosion hits, it doesn't just blow one way. It, is, it blows every way. Top, down, left, right. East, west, north, south, and everything in between. 
And that's what we're experiencing in this season. We're going to see it in the natural where the kingdom of God is exploding in what we're doing to another level. And we're going to take territory on every side. Can you say amen? So we're preparing for the increase. Look at somebody and say, we're preparing. We're stretching our tents. That's why we're buying a 2,000-seater tent right now. The reason we're buying a 2,000-seater tent is because the last event we had, we had to rent another tent from some other guy, and that tent was full too. When we do events on the property, we are preparing for the growth. Amen? When we can't do events in this building. We're done in here. We're starting to look at what's next. I wanted to spend a million dollars on putting one of those nice canopy things. I don't have a million dollars. If I had it, I probably would have done it. But that's not what God wanted for us in the season. He wants us to build in the nations. That's where He's focusing our attention. To buy a $40,000 tent, we can do that cash and not take money from the bank. Can I get an amen? amen? So we're doing what we can do with what we have, and we're trusting God for the increase. So you can be in here today and say, I'll pay that tent. God, give me the 40 grand to pay the tent for evangelism. Every person that gets saved under that tent comes into my account. There's reward in heaven for your sacrifice. That stage is a $12,000 stage. If I buy it locally, it costs $40,000. If I buy it from China, delivered for 12 grand. I'm going that route on this one. I don't usually do it, but I'm doing it. I love America, but sorry, you lose this one. <laughs> Sound system going to cost us 30 grand. That's to have a mobile setup so that we can start doing crusades every month. Can you say amen? That's where we're going. We're going after the harvest. And so what's important for us today is a membership day. And I want to share kind of on the lines of what Missy was talking about. Um, and that's talking about getting rooted and grounded and planted and making sure that your foundations are secure. Go to the book of Psalm chapter 1. Psalm 1. It says, oh, the joys. Say the joys. That's like multiple joys. I like that. Of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. What do they do? They delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves will never wilter and they prosper in all they do. It's important to decide who it is that you're running with in life. Look at the person next to you. It says, you've got to decide on the company you're going to keep. My wife says it all the time. People are like elevators. They're either taking you up or they're bringing you down. You're going one of two ways with people. In... Um, you just got to decide where it is that you're planted, where God has called you for that season. And wherever He's called you to be, you need to give to God the best you can in that season while you can and while you're there to the people that are there. And I, I remember when the Lord called us into the ministry, 
We were serving in other ministries for 10 years before he called us. Look at someone and tell him, if you're not faithful with that which belongs to another man, God will not give you that which is of your own. If I can't be faithful with little, why would I be entrusted with more? Right? It's the management factor. And it starts with, what are you doing in your parents' house? What are you doing in the house of God? It's preparation for you to have your own ministry. It's preparation for you to have your own business. It's preparation for you to have your own family. And how you serve in that season will determine what you step into the next season. This is a principle that I've learned. That whatever I give to somebody else, I never lose. Whenever I serve, whenever I work, whatever part of my life I give, I gain experience. And the experience that I gain can never be taken away from me. And with that experience, I can produce things that I could never produce before. And we served under other men and women's ministries for 10 years. We gave everything we had, the best we could. When people around the table said it couldn't be done, we said, we'll do it. And we did it. And what we learned in that season prepared us for what we're doing, did the last 15 years in building our business, in building this church. But there was a time of preparation serving somebody else before we stepped into our own. And maybe you'll never step into the thing of your own, but you could become the second in charge or the third in charge. Joseph was in charge of Pharaoh's entire kingdom as a second man. So God has positions for everyone, but you've got to decide, I'm going to serve the Lord wholeheartedly where He's planted me, and I'm going to trust God to put me where He wants to put me. Not try to get positions that God never called me to. And when you start comparing yourself with what everybody else is doing, you become bitter. I cannot compare myself to what Pastor Rodney is doing. I cannot compare myself to what Pastor Caleb is doing. I can't compare myself to what business people are doing that I know. The minute you get into comparison, you get into competition, which unlocks the spirit of jealousy. And now you start working in the flesh to prove you're better. And we're called to do something specific in the kingdom. And we have to remain in our calling and in our lane. We're called to reach the next generation. We're called to turn families around. Can you say amen? And so we're going to stick to what God has called us to do. Everybody has an assignment. And you have to be willing to accept your assignment and and serve in that capacity to the fullest extent. Can you say amen? So it's all preparation for increase. Say the faithful person gets rewarded. Now, were there opportunities for us to cuss them out, quit, and walk away? Many times. Look at somebody and say, submission doesn't begin until you disagree. One more time with the people in the back. You're asking for a friend? I said, submission does not begin until you disagree. So when you've been put under authority, and we're always under some type of authority, 
You will never escape submission to authority. Never. Look at the person next to you say it's an illusion. Say, I will never escape from having to submit to authority. When you're growing up as a kid in your house, you've got to submit to parental authority. When you go to college, you've got to submit to the school's authority. When you get a job, you have to submit to whatever the laws of the company are. If you go to church, there's an organization or any organization, you have to submit to the guidelines of that organization. If you're going to drive a car, you have to submit to the laws of the land. If you're going to get a job, you have to submit to the tax laws. And until you surrender your will and learn to submit, you're constantly in a fight. And you're just hurting yourself and wearing yourself out. You have to surrender the will. The husband has to surrender to God. The wife has to submit to the husband. And the children have to submit to their parents. That's the order of the home. They all have to come under divine authority and submission. If the man doesn't submit to God, his wife's going to rebel against him and the kids will rebel against both of them. It's just order. It's a principle that you have to get. Were there times where I disagreed? Were there times where I was hurt? Were there times when I wanted to blow the building up? When you get mad like that? Yeah. I had moments, but that's all the flesh that has to be worked out of you. And the fact that I was tested and pressured for that to come out of me showed me my heart that I needed to deal with. It's about developing your character and it's about reducing you to love. And anytime your emotions or your life gets pulled out of that position, you have to ask yourself, what button is the devil pushing in me to get me out of my love walk? And you have to correct that on the inside of you. Take your finger like this. Say, this is the world I live in. You will never escape you. You can get drunk, you can get high, but you come back to you. And the last thing you need to do is die and go to hell because then you'll be trapped in that for eternity. Just saying. <clears throat> And so what's important in your spiritual walk is learning how to hear the voice of God. That is the one thing that we work on here, for you to hear God, to know God, and to obey God. 2005, I was serving at a local church down the road here. They had a youth center. We'd been there for four years. Uh, we had a game room and uh, a sanctuary. We had outdoor area. It was a pretty big facility. And I'm walking through the game room. I'm the only person in the building, and I hear the audible voice of God. Like somebody was in the room speaking to me from, from the corner of the room. I thought somebody was tricking me. Like, who's, who's up there? And so the Lord says to me, your season here is over. That's all I heard. But I knew I heard the voice of God. In the natural, there wasn't a single reason why my season was over. The business that we were running through that center was turning 300000 a year. We had 120 kids in our youth ministry. We had four, 500 kids on a Friday night in our community night. In our kids' ministry on Sunday mornings, we had 300 kids in kids' ministry. We're managing a massive team. The church is exploding, 1,800 members. Everything is looking good. The numbers are good. 
On paper, the numbers looked excellent. But God said, your season's over. Look at the person next to you and you you tell him this. You have to decide if you're going to live by calculation or by revelation. You either got to decide I'm going to live by what my brain tells me, what I can count, what I can see based on the circumstances. Or I'm going to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Luke 4, 4. When everything looks good and there's no reason to shift anything and God says move, will you move? Will you do what God says in spite of what things look like? And that's in the positive and the negative. If God says to me, go build buildings in Kenya, and I don't have the money in my bank account, I say, yes, sir. Because he will fund what he said he wants to build. All I have to do is say, yes, Lord, lead me, guide me, provide it, and I'll get the job done. And so... You can't let your five senses tell you how to live. If you're crossing the road, driving your car, yes, obviously you need your five senses. But when it comes to destiny and future and the promises of God and the things God has for you, you have to live by faith. And so I called Misty. That's the first thing I do. God speaks to me. I've got to call my wife and tell her what the Lord said. I didn't go to all the other pastors in the church and Like the Lord's telling me that I should leave, that my season here is over. What do you think I should do? When you've heard from God, you don't need to hear from man. When you know that you know that God spoke to you, you don't have to consult anybody else. You just do what God tells you to do. And the Lord will bring prophetic words to confirm things. When you're not sure, but man, I heard the audible voice of God and I knew that I knew that I knew that what God had said to me. There was no doubt in my mind. The Lord told me what he told me. So I spoke to Misty. We came into agreement. I went to my spiritual authority and I said to them, this is what the Lord said. I submitted it to them. I didn't say this is what I'm doing. I said, this is what the Lord said. The next Tuesday, they had another couple that came in. They didn't warn me. They didn't tell me. They just said, okay. Sitting in the staff meeting the next Tuesday, they had a brand new couple. Their church joined this church, and they came and took over everything we were managing. It happened right before my eyes without warning. And I sat there, and I'm like, you're such a dummy, Nick. You just gave up your job. You have two kids. You've got car payment. You've got house payment. You've got no job. You were about to lose your job. And I'm like... I just gave up everything, our source of income. What am I going to do, God? This is what's going through my head now while this whole thing's going down. Lord hasn't said anything more to me. I'm like, okay, Jesus, I need a solution right now. This thing became final. I had a dream that night or the following night. And in the dream, I didn't know what the dream meant until the next week. But in the dream that I had, Say, when the Lord gives you direction, He'll speak to you. He'll show you exactly what to do. So I had a dream. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will come upon you. You'll have dreams and you'll have visions. And so I had this dream, and I'm standing in front of a door. The door is open, but there's this, like, white stuff in the door. 
that I couldn't walk through. And I felt intense fear looking at that door. And then the Lord picked me up over and I looked down at the door and I realized it was just a smoke screen. There was nothing to be afraid of. Then the Lord took me to the end of the journey and he helped me see from the backside of the door where I arrived. And I realized what it cost me to walk through the door was nothing in comparison to what I would gain on the other side. And the Lord said this to me in the dream. He said, find your greatest fear and you'll find the doorway to your blessing. I had no idea what that meant. I just had a dream. I woke up the next morning and I knew God spoke to me in a dream. Wrote it down. That next week, Sunday, I came into the church. As, I, as the pastor got up to do his 35-minute message. Did I just say that? <laughs> Look at someone and say, buildings, bodies, and bucks. You need to stay away from those churches. But God will send you to some hard places to train you, to develop you. David, under Saul's ministry to become king, Saul almost killed him like three times. Sometimes God puts us under some hard people. Because we're stubborn and we need to be broken. Just throwing that out there, freebie. And so he came up, and the minute he stood on the, on the platform, I went into a vision. And for 35 minutes, the Lord spoke to me. And what we shared, he said, I'm going to restore your family. You're going to start a business. You're going to expand the business. You're going to build a home. It'll be debt-free, and you'll have an international ministry. The Lord laid out the plan for 18 years of my life because I chose to obey His voice. I didn't realize it was an 18-year plan, but now that we've completed it, I realize it took 18 years for what God said to be fulfilled in my life. So many times we're saying we get a vision from the Lord, and if it doesn't happen tomorrow, then oh, obviously we miss God. Do you know that it took Abraham, Abi, Habibi, it took Abraham, what, 20 years to get Isaac. He created an Ishmael along the way that we're still suffering from today. We don't need to get into the Middle East. But our mistakes, the things we do in the flesh have consequences. Amen? And so we have to wait on the Lord. We have to trust the Lord. We can't get impatient. It's through faith and patience we inherit the promises. Can you say amen? So God gives you vision. And we're talking about vision this year. In the encounter that I had last year that we shared at Pure Conference, God showed me that He's given us access to wisdom. Proverbs 3.15 says, look at somebody and say Proverbs 3.15. Wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire compares with her. And that's what we're after this year. Because we're building for the next 10 years, we need the wisdom of God to get the blueprint and to get the plan for where we're going. When God spoke to me, He gave me a blueprint for 18 years that Misty and I followed to the T. There were many times where we wanted to buy a house, an investment house, but God never said buy an investment house. He said, I'm going to restore your family, start a business, expand the business, and then you'll build a house. He didn't say buy an investment house. So you don't do the things God didn't tell you to do. You see, 
You've got to watch out for the lure of wealth and the desire for other things to pull you away from the things God promised you when you're in that time of waiting. That's where your patience has to come in. Otherwise, you'll birth Ishmael's that'll cause problems on your journey. Look at somebody and say, the way we live is by the written word of God and every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so I wanted to share that story because it's important for you, you to hear that everything we're teaching, we've walked through. And there are principles in place that you have to begin to apply in your life if you want to see the same results. And because we're entering a year of vision, you can't be blinded by the light of the vision. When God shows you something, you're building a national model in the nation of Kenya to reach orphans. And in 10 years, it'll be adopted by other nations. When that hits you, you can get into spiritual pride. You can become so consumed by what God said that you become no earthly good anymore. And we've got to make sure that as you guys are encountering wisdom, that you learn to apply understanding so that you can see your life prosper in every area. Can you say amen? I don't want people to do stupid things. They heard God, so they just jump out and do it, and they didn't have the right timing, and now they're angry at me because they quit their job and did something that God didn't tell them to do. So I encourage you to submit what God says to spiritual authority so they can help you grow in that. And when I'd submit stuff to my wife, she'd give me some cold hard truth about structure that needed to be set in place for those things to happen. And I didn't want to hear structure. I am the visionary. God said, I am the leader of the house. Submit. You're supposed to submit one to another. Submitting to one another's gifts so as a unit you move forward. Can you say amen? Let me tell you one more story and then I'll quit. So, I had a friend. Had. I had a friend that I laid my life down to see him become everything that I believed he could become. The mo one of the most talented people I know. Um, just called of God, gifting and talent. And man, we were, we were good friends. We worked well together in ministry. And I loved him. And whatever I could do to help him, I was there. And when we were transitioning out of that church where we were, and I started learning about the cross, and I met Elsabee, and I really started dealing with things in my life that were unresolved, getting the heart clean, those with clean hands and pure hearts will see God. You might be, not be sinning anymore, but you're carrying the residue of your sin life that you haven't been able to get rid of. And so she started cleaning my heart out because all these things were separating me from closer relationship with the Lord. And because he was my friend, I started ministering to him, and I saw the things he was doing, and I warned him. I sat down. I had coffee with him before we launched the church for an hour, and I sat there, and I explained things to him in detail the things he needed to surrender, the things he needed to let go. And I warned him. I told him, if you don't do these things, you're going to end up having your life destroyed. And he looked at me like, went in one ear and it went right out the other ear. 
Two, three weeks later, six o'clock in the morning, he gives me a call. He was traveling back from doing an event in Fort Lauderdale. He had a trailer on the back, all his equipment and stuff in it. He's riding back on 95, and he gets into an accident, wrecks his car, wrecks everything. Calling me shaking, 6 o'clock, 6.30 in the morning, on the highway, just having an accident. He said, you were crying. You were right. You were right. I didn't listen. I should have listened. Prayed with him. Met with him a couple of weeks later, maybe a week later. But this time I had Elsa be with me, my spiritual authority, and we were going to deal with some of the root issues in his life. We sat down at the table with him, and we laid everything out again. There were some key things that he needed to let go of. When we started explaining the surrender that he needed to make to the Lord, he got up from the table, and he walked out of the door. He refused to take our advice. He refused to take our warning. It wasn't a month later that he was locked up in jail for five years. While he was in prison, I wrote him. I sent him money. I helped his family. Five years later, I picked him up from the prison when he got out. Brought him to my house to help him. He stayed for a week. Got hooked up with a woman that was married. And he got pulled out. And there came a point where I had to let him go. Because you have to understand, we see your potential. We see what God has available for you. And I want that for you more than you want it for yourself. But there comes a point where there's nothing more we can do for you unless you want it. We can lead you to the water, but we can't make you drink it. And as your spiritual authority in this house, we're here to watch over your souls to make sure that your life doesn't end up in destruction and you lose your salvation. And at the end of the day, you end up in hell in the lake of fire. That's for eternity. In the book of Hebrews 13, 17, it says, Obey your spiritual leaders. And do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls, and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow, for that would certainly not be for your benefit. I'll tell you another story. Another friend of mine, serving in ministry together, married, children. I know this other couple in the church. We're all friends, friend group. My friend ends up having an affair with this other guy's wife. You're in the middle of your friends. I'm trying to be the peacemaker. I'm trying to resolve things. So I, I, I set up a meeting with him. Before I set up the meeting with him, I'm praying for him. I'm in the shower praying for him. And while I'm in the shower, the spirit of the fear of the Lord. I don't know if you've ever encountered the spirit of the fear of the Lord. But when the spirit of the fear of the Lord comes, I don't even think there's anything I can. You've got to encounter it to understand it. But it's dread. It's like, it's not like horror. If you watch like a horror movie and you're scared and you feel the creepy tingly, this is completely different. This is almost like. God shows you the destruction and you're afraid of what's about to happen. And I saw 
that if he didn't repent and come clean, because he kept blaming the other woman for what he did to his wife. It wasn't me. It was her. He didn't come clean. He didn't repent. And I saw in that encounter when the spirit of the fear of the Lord came on me, I saw because he didn't do what was required before God, he completely got pulled out of his calling. And everything that God had for him to do, he would not accomplish. So I went and I sat and went to his house. I sat down with him and I laid out what the Lord said to me. He disowned me. He didn't want to hear it. And right now, not serving the Lord. Completely missed everything God had for him. One decision. If I didn't surrender my life to the Lord at age 23, I would not be in America. Every decision you make concerning God and your faith and the journey you're walking on, one wrong decision can pull you right out. And that's why you need spiritual authority and spiritual leaders over your life to keep you on track. I know what it is to be under a controlling ministry. I know what it is to live under control. I am the least controlling person on the planet. But to the point where I'm not willing to put structure in place either, which is bad. That's why I got my wife. We don't micromanage people. But we want to make sure that you grow right. And we're going to give you the principles because we love you. There's going to be moments where the truth is preached and it's going to cut you deep, Shrek. And when the cut comes, you have a stumbling block in front of you. And when the truth comes, you have to make a decision. God, wow, this is really hurting. This is really true. If the truth is told in love, you can accept it. It still hurts, but you can accept it. When the truth is told in judgment, you want to beat somebody up. And we're going to give you the truth in love. We've had to have a couple of meetings around here the last week or so where we had to bring truth to people. And sometimes you have to make very hard decisions that go against what feels right. But if you'll choose God every time, you'll continue to walk and grow in the blessing. And the last thing we want to see is on your journey to the promises of God that you get stuck in the wilderness going around a mountain, around and around and around again. And the minute that you start attacking your spiritual leaders and judging them, that's what happened to Moses. Moses delivers these people out of slavery. 400 years, family lines in slavery, building Pharaoh's kingdom. Moses literally gives his life almost to bring these people out. And then they attack him in the desert. And there come moments in your spiritual walk where there are hard things that you have to surrender and bring to that cross and die to them. And when your spiritual leaders bring it up, you're going to make one of two decisions. You're either going to attack them and leave, or you're going to choose to listen to what they have to say, humble yourself and break through. And those tests happen over and over and over again. There's always another altar to lay down self. And we're never going to pull you away of this crucified life. We will always tell you to check your heart. We will always tell you to keep yourself right before God. Your hands clean and your heart pure. And that's where we stand. And we're not shifting from that. And not a lot of people can handle this kind of a thing. But let me tell you, if we don't get it right here, you're not going to make it there. 
There's a saying. If you're waiting for your death to be free from sin, then death is your Savior, not Jesus. Anything that you're facing in your life that's pulling you away from God, Jesus has the power to set you free. Can you say amen? God has given us three things as ministers. He's given us the blood of Jesus to purify your consciences. He's given us the fire of God to empower you. And He's given us the Word of God to wash and cleanse you. Teach you, train you. And those are the instruments that we as ministers use to help you grow in the Spirit. Can you say amen? Singing when your joy comes upon me, all that I can do is start dancing, dancing. Yeah, I feel like dancing, dancing. Yeah, I feel like singing, singing. When your peace overwhelms me, I have joy that's never ending. I'm singing, singing. There's nothing more precious than you. I can't help but lift up your name.